Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today? I'm doing great, Ed. Uh, excited. The Bulls obviously are back. They've been back. We have a couple of preseason games under our belt. Uh, exciting games. Uh, better than last season when they were losing to a, a uh, you know, half so-and-so mm. uh, John Wall and a Houston Rockets team that, you know, wasn't very good. And just looking embarrassed by, like I said, a, a John Wall that was coming off like a two-year absence. But yeah, this 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 start to the preseason has been much better, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I don't think a Bulls fan could have scripted this any better. The Bulls with, uh, I think they won both games by at least 30 over Cleveland and New Orleans. Uh, beat Cleveland Tuesday night, beat New Orleans Friday night. They are in Cleveland Sunday, so they'll attempt to try and continue that. But yes, this Bulls team has looked incredible. They have looked fun. Two really fun home games. A lot of highlights. Everybody's in great spirit. So it's been really good to see. So we're going to break down all of this preseason fun. And what better way to do it than someone who is covering the team very closely. He covers the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago. You've heard him on Bulls Talk Podcast as well. Uh, returning the Bulls gold again, Rob Schaefer. Rob, thank you for joining us again, man. Yeah, th thanks for having me. As always, guys, I've lost track of how many times I've been back, but uh, it's always fun chopping it up. I always love swinging by, and uh, we've got some good Bulls basketball to, to discuss, even if it's preseason. Hell yeah, we do. Yeah, and and uh, we, we've gotten those rare 40-point uh, uh, lead alerts by by Casey, <laughs> so it's it's been very nice to see a, 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 a nice change of pace as opposed to seeing 40 point deficit alert. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's happy about that too. Yeah. It's, it's a great feeling seeing the timeline and just really good spirits, seeing all of these different highlights, seeing a lot of athleticism at play, just seeing a really fun uh, style that the bulls have been playing with all of these new pieces. So Rob, I, obligatory, it's only preseason. So let's get that out of the way. But there have been a lot of things I think that people can take away from these games that can be encouraging for a regular season. We know that the Bulls are not going to play a New Orleans team that doesn't have uh, Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram in the lineup. And we know that they're not going to face the Cleveland Cavaliers every game. But again, there are some things that you can take away from these things, these games that may be encouraging uh, going forward, especially for a Bulls team that has been playing without a starter in Patrick Williams and is going to be without Kobe White, I guess, for the start of the regular season too. So what have you taken away from these games that stood out to you the most? 
Yeah, I think offensively, anyone that dug into the way that all the new additions were going to fit and how this roster was constructed, I don't think there was much cause for concern there on paper. But defensively, there have been a ton of questions, a ton of valid questions. And like you said, Edward, like preseason caveats, like put, staple those to anything that we say on this podcast. But defensively, I've just been so impressed by the collective effort, um, specifically the individual contributions of new guys in Lonzo, Alex Caruso, uh, Troy Brown Jr. off the bench. Um, Nikola Vucevic has four steals in the second game. Like their their ability to stay active and swarm defensively and let that spark transition opportunities. Obviously, we we know they want to play faster this year than they have in preseason. I mean, they're playing at such a pace in preseason that is pretty obviously unsustainable in kind of meaningful regular season games when everyone is fully staffed and such, and uh, the competition level is higher. But the vision of what they want to be defensively is coming into focus for me in a way that it wasn't when all we had was kind of the roster to look at. Uh, now that we're seeing it on tape, like having four perimeter guys, they're going to be undersized Billy Donovan and everyone on the roster has kind of owned that at every turn, especially at the four, even when Patrick Williams is back, but especially when he's out, they're going to be undersized, but having three to four, uber athletic long perimeter guys on the floor at all times like they're doing and again this is all preseason but they're doing a little bit more switching i think than they did last year um they're getting into passing lanes their the, their presence on the ball is more physical than i can really remember it being on a team-wide basis last year uh so obviously the new additions are a huge part of that um the fact that it's you know early on in the year and it's preseason and there's kind of a first day of school feel to these bulls that's a part of it and certainly Billy Donovan's been preaching it from day one because that's going to be the biggest thing uh, facing this team, the biggest obstacle facing this team from getting where it wants to go. But defensively, I've just been so impressed. The, the turnovers they're forcing, I think they had 14 steals in the second game, 13 steals in the first game. They're running off turnovers. I think they have like 57 combined points off turnovers in the first two games. And obviously that leads to a very fun, aesthetically pleasing style of play, highlight packed. Uh, big leads, 45 to 50 point leads in each of the first two games, and they win each of them by 36. Um, but I think the formula defensively, it's not going to work against everybody, and it's not going to work every game over the course of an 82 game season in all likelihood. And, you know, who knows? I don't know what kind of rotational role a guy like Javante Green, who's made an impact, is going to have. Like all, all of these are caveats, but the vision of this kind of swarming style, uh, that at least being apparent, is definitely an encouraging sign. I think parts of it enough of it to be solid or passable on that end i think enough of it is sustainable uh that we could expect to see uh in the regular season that that it's that it's worth being encouraged and it's also worth remembering that billy donovan i mean you know had this group with pretty shoddy personnel and up and and kind of an ever-changing roster had these guys 12th in defense last year he had top uh 10 or 11 defenses every year that he was in oklahoma city so he knows how to coach the defensive end of the floor he's certainly coaching these guys up right now and uh, if you're a Bulls fan or, or the Bulls hoping for a jump into the middle tier of the Eastern Conference and a playoff berth, uh, you just got to hope that the, the philosophy here and the elements of it that are working sustain enough over the course of the regular season. Yeah, let's talk about Javante Green a little bit, just because he's been a bit of a surprise. Uh, he, he showed a little bit last season. Uh, towards the end of the season when he got some minutes um, and, you know, guys were out of injury with Zach was out and then Troy Brown Jr. obviously had his uh, hamstring or ankle, I should say, injury. And he he got some minutes. He saw some athleticism. He's like, oh, maybe this guy could be a guy they keep. And then obviously going into the offseason, it was kind of a, a, bit, a little bit of a surprise that, they, you know, they gave him a two-year deal. And 
starting and into the first two preseason games, he's probably made the biggest impact, especially with being only like six three, six four. He's played the four and looked really strong doing it. Um, he's had some really impressive defensive uh, plays where he's kind of just ripping the ball out of uh, guys' hands, blowing up like basic actions and things like that. So how, how do you see him uh, factoring into it? Because a lot of these, our rotation, when we look at it, obviously we we figured to have depth on this team, but it was a lot of like, what if, like, okay, what if this guy so-and-so plays out? Like Javante is looking like one of those guys that it's going to actually play out. Yeah, and because of the energy he plays with, you could just totally see him being a coach's favorite. And his story is great coming up from from Rashford and kind of fighting his way. Um, I think he played internationally and then starts at the end of the Celtics bench and now is having a pretty, like you said, a pretty big impact uh, in a preseason setting. I don't know what is projectable about his role only because I would I would have liked to see how he slotted in with the team you know, with its full complement of weapons with Patrick Williams. I, I genuinely don't know if this is a situation where Billy Donovan is just dragging and dropping somebody from the end of the bench into the starting lineup so that he can keep his second unit intact and be like, all right, let me play with combinations as if Patrick Williams is here, but he's just in, you know, Javante Green's body or, or if that makes sense. I don't know. Or, and I, I don't know if what Javante is showing is um, sustainable enough or if the bulls see it as, uh, sustainable enough to to carve himself out a sizable rotation role. That's something we're going to have to ask Billy about. Typically with rotation or lineup questions, Billy is evasive. I mean, I'd imagine that he has confidence in Javante Green, at least slotting into a game because of the impact they had in a couple games down the stretch last year and uh, now this season. But I think the best version of Javante Green right, is obviously a guy that is in for limited minutes and can just really go 120% at all times, like be that ball of electricity, blow stuff up, um, spark transition opportunities and such. So I'm, I'm kind of in wait and see mode with him. I think it's, he's added a really, really fun and dynamic element to the preseason. But I wonder with, you know, I know Billy has, has questioned the consistency of his jumper when he first got here. I mean, that's obviously something that's going to be important to this team spacing the floor. It has been since, um, Arturis and Mark took over. So I, I wonder if that could be an obstacle for him. I wonder if the size component, like when it's not preseason against a shorthanded Pelicans team or a really bad Cavs team, I wonder if that becomes an obstacle for him. Um, it's certainly uh, one of the more fun underlying storylines of preseason to this point in terms of how it translates to the regular season. I, I'd be skeptical. He comes in with a defined role right away, but he's the type of guy that you just like want to have on the end of your bench, right? Between that 10 mm-hmm. to 12, rotation spot because you know what you're getting from him if you do need spot minutes on the wing um or in the backcourt uh so i i'm kind of in wait and see mode with javante but i don't think he could have done anything more with the opportunity that he's gotten to this point in terms of proving himself at the very least like two years on the minimum looks like a pretty solid value just for the energy that he brings whenever he's in there that at the very least looks like uh, a pretty prudent decision by the bulls front office and we'll see where it goes from here if, if anything, I feel like Javante Green, what he's doing would make things more encouraging for Patrick Williams, right? Because that fifth role mm-hmm. where a guy can just be, you know, a, a pest defensively, can use his athleticism, can show some versatility, that would project well for Patrick Williams when he comes back, right? 
absolutely. I mean, yeah, just like make, just, just have someone that's three or four inches taller and, um, <laughs> pro- and probably spaces the floor a little bit more reliably. You hope, I, I mean, we know, or I know that the bulls have, you know, really emphasized with Pat, his, his shot over the summer. And I, we got to see what it looks like in game action. We've seen him shooting in, uh, kind of at the end of practices and we know that he works hard at that. Um, so you would hope that that's an element that he could bring a little bit more ball handling and things like that. And obviously the rebounding aspect, like the, it, it's, it, that's another thing that Arturis said at, uh, his uh, at media day that has kind of borne out over the preseason, just the fact that the bulls have a lot of good rebounding guards and wings like that, that the emphasis on doing that collectively has borne out. I think Javante had five or six rebounds last night. So, you know, put Patrick Williams in that slot and you got to hope that he's at least matching that production, if not more, um, you know, Javante <laughs> four blocks in the first preseason game. But I do think over the course of, you, you know, a full, a bigger sample size, Pat is probably uh, going to be more reliable as a rim protector and a, and a bigger body to throw at uh, kind of bigger wings and forwards and such. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely like that's what that's Pat's role this year is going to be playing off guys and mucking things up defensively. And Javante's uh, production, if Pat can, you know, bring uh, a comparable amount of, energy, you know, with, with the tools that he has and a little bit more of a diverse skill set. Um, that's certainly an encouraging sign for what he's going to be able to bring for Pat. It's just going to be about being decisive off of catches and things, things that we've, you know, and, and, and Billy's talked a lot about his conditioning and his endurance, uh, holding up over the course of a full 82 games. Like those, those are going to be the main points of emphasis for him. But I think there's no reason that he shouldn't slot perfectly back into the fold. And uh, as much as what Javante has shown is proof of that, also what you see from the other four guys, Lonzo, Zach, Damar, and Vooch, like them hitting the ground running to the degree that they have um, should give people a tremendous amount of confidence in, in Pat being able to slide right back in as well. Yeah. It, and me and Salim were talking about this before we started recording, but it feels like just that clearly defined structure of his team with guys who you more guys who you know you're what you're getting out of in roles that they've proven that they can do and you don't have a team of guys who you're trying to figure out if this guy can be number two or number three number four whatever whatever or if he can be a high volume efficient scoring guy like it, it feels like this team has a clear pecking order and that allows guys like a Javante Green to come into this starting lineup and to be able to do the things well that they know that they can do. So there's less pressure on that. And that kind of leads me into what we've seen out of Lonzo Ball, who is coming into this as the fourth best player in the starting lineup. And he had two different games in both preseason games. Uh, In the New Orleans game, he had 19 points. And I think he scored a little bit less in the Cleveland game. But we got to see kind of the complete package with him. We got to see him, you know, disrupt the game defensively. We got to see him knock down those shots. We got to see some uh, passes as well. But the the great thing about this Lonzo Ball signing is that he is not in a position where he has to be a primary playmaker, right? Because there are so many ball handlers on this team now and so many guys that are really good at moving the ball that Lonzo can really just pick his spots while still being a guy that can run the offense and spurt. So what did, what did you see about Lonzo Ball's game that you really liked in these first couple of games? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I was not at the first game live. I was there last night as we're recording this for the Pelicans game. And defend, I mean, I know he was five or six from three, and that's great. And it's awesome. I mean, his jump shot improvement is just like – it's just – 
crazy how night and day it is. And that's going to be a huge element of his value to this team. I mean, he's 38% on overrated times a game last year. I mean, he's legitimately knocked down um, at this point and looked confident last night. Uh, the other thing, the other quick thing I'd say offensively, like his, him saying, uh, I know I caught some attention like him saying he was anticipating playing more of a traditional point guard role with the bulls. He was running some pick and roll, but to your point, Edward, like he doesn't have to have a ton of emphasis on him in a half court setting because you have, guys that can, you know, do it in the half court and Vooch, Zach and Damar, like Lonzo can unleash himself a little bit more than maybe he was in New Orleans when he was more of a three and D guy last year by like really seizing control of transition and kind of attacking broken defenses and things like that. So you've seen him do that successfully in the first two games, but being there in person and watching his presence defensively up close was different than to me than I had ever seen him like watching him on television or, or on my computer before uh, like his length. And Billy has talked a ton about his presence on the ball and his physicality um, at the point of attack. And at the point of screens, like that jumps off the uh, jumps off um, or that stands out when you're watching him in person, but his ability to be in every driving and passing lane, like his length, his kind of, um, select selective aggressiveness as to when he's going to attack opposing ball handlers and try to like generate deflections and steals. Like he really does seem to be in three or four places at once when you really watch him closely on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I think he's really at the center of this vision of having three or four perimeter guys surrounding Vooch that are just going to swarm and switch and, and be everywhere and try to muck up uh, opponent sets. I think, I think he's really it's, it's become clear to me that he's the X factor as a guy who's going to play starters minutes and has the length and the IQ to just be in places that you just wouldn't expect him to be uh, at, at, at seemingly all times. Um, so that's really what stood out to me about Lonzo. I mean, the, the scoring production and the confidence shooting and the way that he's picked up the team's pace are all things that, you know, anyone who knows Lonzo's game was expecting from him. And he's done it, I think, at a rate that that should have been expected. And defensively, I mean, we knew he was a good two-way player. Uh, but for me, just seeing his physicality and the way that he leverages his intelligence to be in the center of everything, like he's uh, all over the floor, um, deflecting passes, knocking balls out, um, being in you know the grills of opposing uh, guards and wings and ball handlers like that to me has stood out and has been better than advertised. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a huge, huge key uh, to what you know, how much success the Bulls are able to have. Defensively, it looks right now about as good as it's probably going to look for the rest of the season because of the turnovers that they're generating and, um, you know, the, the, the field goal percentage numbers that they're holding opponents to uh, and the scoring totals that they're holding opponents to. But that to me has, has really, really said I've been super, super impressed with the level of two-way impact that Lonzo's going to have. And I think even on nights when he's not scoring 19 points and hitting five threes, that's going to be a steady, consistent thing at all times. And on a starter's level, a volume of minutes. The Bulls just didn't have that on a consistent basis at that position last year. Uh, so that's obviously a massive thing and uh, a bigger, you know, I, again, I knew Lonzo was, was pretty solid defensively, but I think he has the potential to have an even bigger impact there than even I anticipated coming in. Yeah. I, I think uh, you brought up Lonzo, obviously the defensive impact he will bring in. Um, also another guy that, I think a lot of Bulls fans are probably going to start seeing uh, why they went out and gave him the full, full mid-level exception to Alex Caruso, who also in the sense is aggressive uh, point of attack defense. Um, 
kind of, you know, the on-ball defense kind of helped mitigating uh, bad screen navigations and making it a lot easier for our big, especially Vooch, in the drop coverage. So watching him play out there, I feel like he's going to be <coughs> – excuse me, I apologize. He's going to be one of those guys that – the, the, the role that he's going to provide is something that we thought, like, an Otto Porter Jr., in a sense, was supposed to provide this this – High impact, high level role player, uh, kind of like this glue guy on the team. Um, what What are your thoughts with Al Crusoe, and and how do you see his role expanding as the season goes on? Because I feel like he's going to play a lot more than just like twenty minutes a game. Oh, absolutely. I I think he's a guy. I mean, he's Billy has even been running him with the starters. I mean, they closed the first half last night with him alongside kind of the 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 quote unquote big four um, of Demar, Zach Vooch, and and Lonzo. Uh, Billy's obviously not afraid of three guard lineups and there's no question that this team is going to be undersized almost no matter what they do. So you might as well have your best players out there and try to set the tone and have teams bend to your style of play as opposed to the reverse. Crusoe is a guy that obviously defensively is pretty capable of that. The screen navigation stuff we knew about, he's one of the best in the league at that. The Bulls were unquestionably the worst in the league at that on a team-wide basis last year. So having a guy that's really, really, really excellent at that is huge. You've seen that in preseason. He's also, you know, been uh, along with Lonzo, probably the second or the first or second biggest um, impact piece when you talk about the mayhem that they've been able to cause on the perimeter defensively. But I think what could lead to his role being expanded even is the offensive stuff that he's been able to do. I mean, he's averaging seven and a half assists in these two preseason games. And a lot of that comes with the pace of play that, you know, might not be sustainable at this rate. But he's a really... Smart. I mean, again, the Bulls have talked about this all through training camp, and now you see it on the court. He really is a smart passer, um, a pretty adept passer. Like he's thrown a couple lobs that were, you know, on time and on target. Uh, he hit. He was two at two from three last night. That's big. So I think the defensive stuff we know what we're getting from Caruso. But if he, you know, as Zach said last night, you know, he said it himself that he's a better playmaker and a better passer than even he knew. Um, if Caruso can bring just steadiness offensively um, reasonably reliable spot up shooting, be able to rebound pretty well for his position. Cause he is six, four and push the ball and make the right decisions on the break. And, you know, he, he obviously has these moments of uh, athleticism and pop where he's finishing around the rim. He had the, he had the Michael Jordan, you know, switch hands layup in the, in the first game uh, midair, which was, which was kind of fun. I, I think those are the things that lead to his role being a little bit more expanded um, it, it, you know, if it, if it does over the course of the season, but I absolutely see him as, you know, at the least like a 25 to 28 minute a game guy, because he was such a direct, he, his signing was such a way of directly addressing the team's biggest weakness last year, point of attack defense. Yeah. I don't think you bring in a guy with that context and for the money that they paid him. I don't think you bring him in if you're not envisioning, you know, uh, if, you know, he's not going to start necessarily, but a, a starter, uh, or a minutes load that's akin to a starter or a six man type guy. So uh, yeah, I absolutely see him playing more minutes than he was. The Lakers probably having a bigger impact and getting to flex his muscles a little bit offensively. Cause I think he gets thought of as a defensive focus, defensive only player, but he's showing that there are subtle aspects of the game uh, offensively uh, that he can make an impact. And uh, I think that really helps the bulls too, especially while they're waiting for Kobe white to come back. Cause he's, he's going to be cast as kind of the bench spark plug offensively. Uh, but until then, between Caruso, between Troy Brown Jr., between Derek Jones Jr., um, between Tony Bradley when he gets back or Alice A. Johnson or whoever is in that second unit, they're going to have to collectively 
um, and obviously staggering minutes with, you know, uh, with, with the big four in the starting lineup. Um, but, but they're going to all have to come together and collectively, you know, balance the offense with the reserves until Kobe gets back. I think Caruso can be a huge focal point in that. Honestly, I, I see that him being able to close a lot too, because I like the closing yeah. lineup of uh, Zach, uh, Lonzo, uh, Caruso, Demar, and Vooch, because that's the, that's a really good balance of defense and offense, especially with the um, ball movement there. So I, I could see him taking a lot of games where he ends up closing, and then that can become the Bulls' uh, quote death lineup, if you will. Absolutely, absolutely, especially against a guard-focused team, like a smaller team. Um, I, I think that's absolutely something that I could envision for Caruso based on the matchup. Billy, like that, that's the one, that's the other thing we could take away from Billy's first year is he really was not afraid to adapt to the flow of the game with his closing lineups. Like there were games, you know, Pat obviously started 71 games, but there were games that he wasn't closing if Billy didn't feel like he had it that night. Um, or, you know, Kobe would, even if he wasn't feeling it towards the beginning of the game, cause he trusted his shot making down the stretch. Like, I I don't know that the Bulls are going to have one set defined closing lineup, but I think Caruso, along with the original starting lineup with Pat at the four, I think the three guard lineup with Caruso and then Demar at the four, Vooch at the five, um, like you said, Celine gives you a great balance, a great blend of offense, defense, playmaking, IQ, um, and you know just just veteranship, like veteran experience. Like Caruso has been in big games, he's performed in big games, he's won the trust of big time players, so. Uh, he's absolutely, you know, one of the top guys on the roster that I would trust to make correct decisions down the stretch of close games, which, you know, that sounds like a low bar to clear, but it's one that the Bulls didn't clear more often than not uh, in close games last year. I mean, just with the amount of games they gave away. So him, yeah. him as a close, him as a closing piece and playing 25, 30 minutes a game, I think is like a- absolutely reasonable. And I would feel comfortable predicting it. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's very vocal on the court too. And that's something I've, I was really like big on for the yeah. Bulls last season that they didn't have someone vocal on the court, like instructing guys where to be. And with him and DeMar being also vocal uh, on the court, I think that's going to be a big boost as well. Yeah. And I mean, Lon- Lonzo has that presence of him too. He's not like the loudest guy necessarily, but like he, he gets the court organized in a way that Billy seemed to almost be begging for at points last year. And you even saw, he had a great, he had a great quote or a great snippet last night um, where he talked about, and again, this is easy to say in preseason, but just him not wanting to bog down the team offensively by like calling out scripted plays or sets from the bench. Like he wants to empower specifically Zach Damar and Lonzo to bring the ball to the floor, get that, get the team organized and like kind of let them have the reins of how they want to read and react to a game. Um, so I, I think that's a really fun way to play. Um, it's a way that the play, it's a way to play that the players clearly appreciate and it has a high ceiling, but you got to have the personnel to do it. And it seems like this year, the bulls will. Man, it's crazy how much the athleticism, I mean, I know we talked about it before, but it is, it's just crazy how much the athleticism on this team has improved when you add guys like, I mean, Lonzo's a good athlete. Caruso's a good athlete. You still have Patrick Williams, Zach Levine. DeMar DeRozan is still a pretty good athlete, uh, even if he's lost maybe a step from his elite athleticism. And uh, Derrick Jones Jr., I mean, Troy Brown. It's crazy how much athleticism this team has. So, like, just seeing it all on display, 
do you expect that not only to be an advantage defensively, but offensively going forward? Like, will the Bulls still be able to, you know, play this high, uh, you know, up-tempo brand of basketball and force turnovers and, you know, get out on the uh, fast break and, you know, really take advantage of some teams with these small athletic lineups? It, it has to be. Uh, and Zach, Zach said it last night, like we might not have the size of a lot of other teams, but we're going to be just as athletic, if not more than, you know, almost any team in the league on a pound for pound basis. Um, so I think, I think it has to be uh, on both ends, um, uh, but, but particularly defensively, because, you know, if you're not going to have the size to match up or they're going to be, you know, um, tough, tough matchups in terms of like teams that have an array of offensive weapons and, um, you know, the, just finding guys to guard, like, like just teams like the Bucks, teams like the Nets, like the upper, upper echelon of the league, I think still are going to give the Bulls a lot of trouble. But um, on a night to night basis, especially against uh, the bad teams in the league, like using that athleticism, speed and willingness to play fast for 48 minutes, uh, I think, yeah, it, it has to be the way that this team carves out uh, its advantage defensively because. Uh, from a personnel perspective and from a size perspective, they're probably going to be um, at a deficit uh, at times this year. Uh, but that's kind of the way that you can you can make up that gap. So, yeah, between that and, you know, pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, I know they don't have size in the front court, but size in, you know, on in the guard room and, and among their wings. Like when you have Lonzo at six, six and Caruso at six, four and Zach at six, five um, in the backcourt. Like that's a, a pretty good sized group of guards. Um, to be able to make stuff happen on the perimeter. So that's, you know, that it's, it's clear that that's their focus in the preseason is setting that tone, establishing that strategy as a baseline. Um, and to me, that's the most effective way that they can make up uh, what could be a pretty sizable size gap up front and personnel gap uh, on the defensive end of the floor. Because, you know, we've talked about the potential of this offense, but the defense has to at least be approaching league average for the Bulls to get where they want to go. And uh, yeah, to do to do that, they've got to do what they're doing um, in these preseason games, or at least uh, yeah. a good percentage of that. It looks like it looks like that'll happen. I mean, I feel like people have been overblowing this defensive thing. Like, like uh, that. I think Celine was the one who mentioned it before. But like, we the Bulls finished top twelve in defensive rating last year, despite all of those trades and all the struggles with this team. So I don't know why people think like the Bulls are going to be like twenty ninth or twenty eighth with this roster it just just it, it never really made sense from a logic standpoint <laughs> hey man if Vooch is getting four steals a game i mean that's uh <laughs> that's that's certainly one way to do it but no i i mean i think it comes from uh, you know derozan's reputation i think zach uh zach's reputation being what it is um i i i think there's the potential for zach to really improve build on even the improvements that he made last year because of the energy he can now conserve on the offensive end of the floor um, and just like having that Olympics experience, I mean, he's talked about it. DeRozan's talked about the impact that that can have on him. I think it's pretty obvious that there's a uh, huge potential there for him to improve defensively. Um, but, and then, you know, I think Billy might get underrated as a defensive coach. I mean, just with all the personnel changes that he had in OKC to pretty consistently be top 10 in defense every year uh, is impressive. And in a regular season context, I don't see any reason why he can't coach them to a level that's approaching league average conservatively. Um, and again, if the offensive stuff hits the way that people expect it to, that's, that's all you need. Yeah. It's connected. Cause a lot of times people don't realize that a good offense can help your defense. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you limit the turnovers, limit the mistakes on offense. And then all of a sudden you're not, you know, you're not forced running back all the time on defense. You can 
uh, do more of a set set up your defense in the half court and, and things like that. So a lot of times those things are connected as well. And I think that's also going to help the Bulls this season because obviously preseason, it's preseason, but um, you see the potential with this offense and you see where it can take it and it's going to make it a lot easier for them to defend as well. 100%. And if your opponent's, if your opponent's taking the ball out of the basket, every possession, right. That slows down the pace of the game for them. Um, and you know, if the bulls could be a team that forces more turnovers this year, it seems like that's something that they want to do. They played, it'll, they played generally a little bit more conservatively last year. Um, but you, to your point, Salim, about things being connected, like forcing more turnovers helps speed up your opponent and get your opponent in disarray and, uh, can get them a ton of easy looks, uh, in transition. And again, back to like the improved personnel, the bulls now have a group of guys that can reliably run a fast break pretty much every time down the floor. Like that was not a given for the majority of this rebuild. So, um, all of that stuff is positive and interconnected. And, you know, if it's firing on all cylinders, we've seen what it can look like. How do you see these last couple of roster spots shaking out with the team? Yeah, I mean, my, my expectation has been that it's going to be the Johnsons. I mean, there's oh, I should say that the Bulls have 13 guaranteed contracts right now, and uh, they basically have two guaranteed spots up for grabs and a two-way slot up for grabs. I, I'd expect them to fill the two-way slot and at least one of those two um, guaranteed uh, contract slots. I think it, Casey has mentioned a couple of times that um, – there's always the possibility that you could leave one spot open because they do have that $5 million trade exception from the, from the Tice sign and trade. So if you wanted to make an uneven trade mid season, um, you could leave that spot open. But to me, I, I, I don't see any re I, I I'm starting to feel like they might fill both of them. And to me, just like seeing that Stanley Johnson was getting first quarter run and got the first look at the backup four yesterday. Um, Alice a. Johnson was pretty much functioning as the team's backup five with Tony Bradley out and, you know, looks just about as advertised, like a really active rebounder, especially offensively. I think had five assists um, can handle the ball a little bit. Like he looks solid enough to me um, to kind of fill out the back of that front court rotation. Um, so that, that's kind of how I see it. I mean, it doesn't seem like the other non-guaranteed guys, the Matt Thomases, Tyler Cook, um, and uh, Daniel O'Toole. Like it, it doesn't seem like they're getting run that would indicate that they're in the running as much as those other two guys for those last two spots. Um, so that's how I'd see that shaking out. And then the two-way, you know, maybe that goes to one of the kind of leftover guys, and I think that could be a good use of that spot. But. Billy has talked highly about Stanley. Alize has, you know, been productive in the league. Like he showed pretty, pretty solid flashes for the Nets last year, uh, especially as a rebounder. So those two guys would be my picks to get the final two. And then someone will get the last two way um, along with Devon Dotson. And uh, then we'll roll. I mean, you know, it's again, it's going to be an undersized front court, like Stanley and Alize filling out that rotation. To, or if, if they do um, tells you that for sure. But I still think like even in, in a limited role, those two bring enough versatility and um, I guess versatility would be the biggest quality. They, they bring enough of that to maintain the style of play that the Bulls want to have uh, in a limited capacity. So um, I think they'd be pretty good flyers to take uh, with those last two spots. You know, it's crazy that Alize is like six, seven, but he's, he's a dog. Like he, like it's, it's amazing how great he is on, on the boards. Yeah. When you watch him. He's just over guys that probably have like three inches on him. He'll just go out, rebound them. It's, 
like that's when when you see that it it, it kind of eases your concerns a little bit about like potential size issues on the bench. Hundred percent, and he's not even the most explosive vertical athlete either. Like his his no. finishing, which was pretty solid with the Nets, was mostly predicated on putbacks and floaters. He's got a pretty good floater game. But yeah, I mean, just positioning wise, I, we should actually talk to him soon about that kind of what the what the art of rebounding is to him. Maybe you know he posed. I remember him posting a Dennis Rodman picture right. when he uh, when he first got. Maybe maybe we get right. a recreation of the. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I, I like I like what I've seen from uh, from Alize. I would have predicted him at the start of training camp to be the surprise guy that kind of becomes the team's backup four uh, at, at some point throughout the season. Um, I think that could, and now, you know, who knows, that could be Derek judge jr. That could be Stanley Johnson, but um, I've always liked him from last season with the nets. I mean, I, he just, you know, not all of it was um, I think, I think a lot of his better games were kind of in blowouts or stuff like that, but he, he showed enough that I think he could be your eighth, ninth or 10th guy um, and be pretty solid in that role. He certainly looked good last night in his limited action. They, they were running him at the five um, and that looked okay. Uh, He had a sequence. One of the, one of the, bigger uh, cheers from the United center, like roars was he had, I think two offensive rebounds on a possession to your point, Selena over guys that were bigger than him and, and had a put back, give a nice, give a nice yell after that. Um, so I, you know, just that's what you want out of a guy in his position is the hustle, the tenacity, um, you know, the willingness to do the dirty work and things like that. So I, I think he's a guy that can certainly do that um, in a, in a limited role. It's all the bulls need from him. You wrote an article about uh, Troy Brown Jr. Uh, earlier this week and talked about how he's positioned for an important role with the Bulls. Talk about Troy Brown and what you expect from him this upcoming season. I, I think sometimes when we talk about all the pieces, he kind of gets lost because he, you know we acquired him in the trade deadline. So he hasn't been with the team too long, but he's still very young and he's a really talented player. Uh, shows some really good flashes with the uh, Washington Wizards in the past. What do you think he can do uh, this upcoming season for the Bulls? Yeah, I, I ever since he came over, I've been pretty intrigued by Troy Brown Jr. because he was a pretty interesting prospect and then fell out of favor in Washington for whatever reason. That You know, there's a logjam at the wing position there, um, especially the way they've drafted the last few years. But, uh, you know, I, I would expect Troy to just be a solid backup wing three and D guy that is asked to get into guys defensively, be physical, be at the center of that kind of swarming defensive mentality we've talked about and, uh, you know, take his open shots on the offensive end, maybe do a little bit of handling and playmaking because he has that in his bag. Um, Billy certainly has a lot of confidence in him because you saw Troy Brown Jr. after he came over the deadline last year, kind of from nothing, carve out a rotation role, especially with his screen navigation and the way he moves his feet defensively um, guarding guards and wings. So like, I I think he earned Billy's trust in a lot of ways um, towards the end of last season. Then he has this unfortunate ankle sprain that ended the season early um, kind of bled over into the off season. Uh, But now that he's back and and hundred percent healthy, I think he's kind of a, he, or he's a really good guy to slot in as a guard slash wing uh, playing the style that the bulls want to play. Especially, you know, if you stagger the starters with the second unit, um, if he can improve as a spot up shooter, I mean, I know he's low thirties from three for his career, uh, but he actually, you know, is in the low forties from the corners. Like he's always been kind of sneaky, good on a small sample size, but he's been kind of sneaky, good in that context. I think if he can improve as a shooter, uh, it certainly looks like the onus has been on him in the preseason to kind of pull whenever he's open. He's been pretty, um, aggressive, you know, taking those catch and shoot three chances when he gets them. Um, I think if he could do that, he could just be a real solid, you know, 20 to 25 minute a game. 
uh, backup three. And this team can really use that because behind DeMar, um, the options are Troy Brown Jr., Derek Jones Jr., Stanley Johnson. Like these are all kind of, or, uh, you know, Derek Jones uh, and Stanley are kind of like three, four types. Um, Troy may, might be more of a two, three or, or, or more of a truer three. Um, but no, I, I expect, you know, him to be solid in that role. And, uh, you know, he seems to be kind of a fan favorite. I was, I was kind of surprised by the, the reception that that article got, but it seems like there are um, a lot of people that are interested to see what he can do this year as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I expect like big, big things from Troy Brown Jr. this year, but I think in that role of that backup three from what the Bulls need from that position, I think he's pretty well suited to excel in it. Um, and in the fourth year of his rookie contract, um, you know, it's kind of, it, it's kind of past time for him to kind of show what he could do. I think there's, um, a confidence about him. He seems to be just, that's the other thing. He seems like pretty refreshed by, um, the bulls situation. He, I remember him coming over at the deadline last year and talking about how he was confused a little bit by how his role evaporated away in Washington, but then coming to Chicago, Billy was always super clear with him. Like, Hey, this is what we need from you. And this is how you get. Uh, this is how you can carve out a role on this team. And then when he did what was asked of him, you know, the results actually came with it. Um, so I think he seems to be really, you know, content in the situation in Chicago and combine that with his skill set, which is pretty versatile. Um, he's a pretty good perimeter defender. Uh, if he can get better as a jump shooter, I think he's pretty much the ideal three and D backup three um, for this team and can make a lot of stuff happen playing off guys and uh, getting into people defensively. Yeah, I think his shooting is probably the the key, really, because uh, I think, he, like, in corner threes, he shoots 40%. Yep. If he can consistently, uh, you know, be a threat to spread the floor, I think that's going to obviously give him some good minutes, uh, consistent minutes uh, in the rotation. Yeah, yeah. And um, he just fits the bill, right? I mean, he's, he's long, athletic, versatile. And if the shots are falling, like, I, I could just – I can see him fitting in really well with the new identity um, of this team. I, I, I just think as a, as a backup, it's hard um, not to get excited about the way that he can fit into that role. Um, I, I, I certainly would expect him to, to excel doing what the bulls are going to ask him to do this year, which is basically just three and D. Um, I, I think he's well suited for that. So let me, let me get your take on where you think this bulls team is ultimately going to finish this year. I think a lot of people were saying, you know, five, six, like kind of in that tier where you think about teams like the Knicks or uh, maybe the uh, Knicks, maybe the Hawks are kind of in that tier too. I don't know, but maybe like kind of like five, six seat. So where do you think the Bulls are ultimately going to finish the season? I think that's fair. I think four to six is my kind of median outcome for them with four being kind of everything goes right and you host a playoff series. And if not, you're kind of five, six, I mean, maybe even seven, eight, Um, not necessarily comments around the bulls, but just how much the Eastern conference has improved, particularly in the middle. Um, But I I think like, you know, 44 to 45 wins and in that five to six range, I think that's a reasonable prediction. I'm trying not to take too much away optimism wise from preseason. I want to see how it looks. Uh, early in the regular season, especially they have a, a West Coast trip that's really going to test their metal very, very early on. We'll know a lot more, I think, after the first 16 or so games. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're certainly an above 500 team in my estimation. 44 to 45, five to six range um, feels like a reasonable prediction. And given the amount of resources they've poured into this group and given the potential that they do have, 
I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, you know, falling into the play-in tournament would be a not a, a, a below expectation outcome for this team. Like they, they should be above the play-in. They should be in that four to six seed range. I'm not going to say anything below, like if you're the seven or eight, I'm not going to say it's a disaster, uh, but I think it would be fair to qualify that as a disappointment. There's, there's enough talent on this team and it seems to fit well enough. They seem to be coalescing well enough that um, I think, you know, mid forties, five to six seed is, is a good thing to expect from them. Yeah. You, like you said, the, look at all these teams, like you look at Atlanta, Philly, Knicks, Boston, Miami. Yeah. Um, and then the bulls, that's, those teams are going to be probably like a game or maybe even a half a game from each other all season. It feels like. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, let's, Philly's the one I got my eye on because if Simmons really doesn't show up right. and they're not able to find that trade and like Sam bead misses a month, like, you know, I just, they're the team of the upper echelon that I'm like the bottom could, the bottom has the potential um, to fall out. Uh, and yeah, like you said, I think Hawks, Boston, New York, and the Bulls are going to, I could see them being in a gridlock all year and the head to head matchups there are going to be huge. The Bulls did pretty well against Boston last year, even without Zach. So um, I'd feel pretty confident in that matchup. If I was the Bulls, um, I think a lot of people expect regression from the Knicks. I'm not really sure what to make of them because they did improve offensively a lot. Like their new starting backcourt, I think is a big improvement. Um, and they're obviously going to be supremely well coached with Tibbs. Um, and then the Hawks, I mean, another team that, people are pegging for regression, but I, I just think they're so young and deep that I don't necessarily see them getting actively worse. Like maybe things just break one way or the other in the regular season. They, they were actually pretty hurt last year. So I don't, I don't know how they could um, struggle more health wise, unless uh, one of their big guys gets hurt. So, yeah. I mean, how many teams did you just name right there? Bucks, Nets, five, Sixers, Hawks, Celtics. Yeah. Bulls. Yeah. I mean, that's six or seven. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Um, but, you know, I think with the Bulls really, really, really gunning in the regular season this year, I mean, not every team, sad to say, doesn't have the mentality to win every regular season game every year. And I think the Bulls will. Um, I think there's just a lot of low-hanging fruit with this team. When you talk about the turnovers, the games they just straight up gave away last year. Um, I, I, I still think that they have the potential to be near the top of that kind of middle throng that could be a little bit of a mess, but you know, mid forties should get them um, up and out of the plane and into a, a first round playoff series. And then you can kind of see what happens from there. We'll start their season at Detroit. Then they go to new Orleans, then Detroit again at Toronto Nick. So first five games, I mean, there's some, there's a bunch of winnable games there. Uh, then it gets a little tough. Utah at Boston, at Philly, Philly again, Brooklyn, Dallas, Golden State, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers. Nothing. That West Coast trip is a doozy, yeah. man. A doozy. <laughs> Big spacers. Yeah, so uh, starts a little easy, and then, you know, you kind of get thrown into the gauntlet there. So, uh, uh, it, you know, it, they're going to be challenged immediately. So we're, we're going we're gonna to know about this team, I think, uh, pretty quickly. And this, you know, first month or so can uh, – or these first couple of months can uh, – really kind of decide things but how do you see them doing against these teams i mean <laughs> again that like that philly the boston philly philly brooklyn that that's just a that's a war zone right there some really good teams so ultimately do you think this team i mean i i think based on how they played in the preseason if they're playing like that then yeah they can compete with anyone but i mean realistically it's going to drop a little bit so how, how do you see it playing out when they start facing these really good teams 
Yeah, I think the short answer is I, I just don't know because, like you said, if they play like they have in the preseason, you know, all bets are off. But what it's important to remember about the the preseason games is not only is it preseason, but the Bulls are also playing their starters more than your average team. Um, I think with good reason to ramp them up physically and to build chemistry. But, you know, with Zach, Damar, Vooch, and Lonzo all playing between 24 and 28 minutes last night, like you don't see many teams doing that. Certainly the Pelicans weren't because their two best players were out. Um, so I, I don't really know what to put as an expectation on them through that opening stretch until I see some regular season action under their belt. Um, because as much as I think this team can figure it out over the course of the season, like how it looks out of the gate is a question mark as they're still kind of figuring each other out. Um, but I think I went through the first 16 to 20 games last night, kind of following that West coast trip. It's, it's tough. And I think, I, I honestly think it might it might feel like it's setting the bar kind of low, but I think if the Bulls are 500 or slightly above at the end of that stretch, I think you can feel pretty good about it just because of how tough that early season schedule projects to be. And if they're competing and winning games against good teams, another thing this team hasn't necessarily done over the last few years, um, if they're hanging in and picking up, you know, solid wins here and there, uh, I think you could feel good about how the rest of the season is the playoff from there. But um, we will have a ton to break down at that point. Cause we'll know a ton about the team and it'll be about the quarter mark of the season and uh, things will be coming into focus. So, you know, we keep hitting our checkpoints here. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, it'll be a grind, but, um, yeah, I mean, there, it, 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 we won't have to wait long to, uh, to see what these guys are made of. Yeah. I think, um, a lot, like we mentioned, often like the late game situations last season where they could have won games with a lot of t- times they had what within five points of, uh, of either having a five point lead or, you know, being a deficit of five points, um, just bad decision-making turnovers. And I feel like those should be limited this season by a lot. So that that's going to factor in as far as um, a lot of these games where you thought that they could pull out a win and they ended up being losses. I think this season you could probably expect them to be more wins more often than not. Yeah. I mean, the low hanging fruit, man, like they, they were in a position to be in the plane last year with a supremely less talented roster. So if you pluck the games given away, the turnovers, um, all that type of stuff, I think there's potential for a, a good amount of improvement. Like they were hanging with teams Last year, just couldn't finish them. And, you know, you bring in a guy like DeMar DeRozan um, and you just upgrade the general talent level. And the expectation has to be that you're able to flip that flip that script this year. Absolutely. Rob, great talking to you about these these past preseason games. They've been a blast. We have an, another few coming up and before we start the regular season at Detroit. Uh I'm I'm still feeling really good about this team, and it feels like we're we're both all feeling like really good about them going forward into this regular season. So again, great having you on. Can you let our listeners know uh, what you're working on right now? And I'm sure they know where they can find you at, but just let everybody know what you're working on right now uh, during the preseason. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we're we're covering all the games over at NBCSportsChicago.com, uh, my team's app. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Rob underscore Schaefer. And then I'm on the Bulls Talk podcast with Casey Johnson, Jason Goff, occasionally Tony Gill um, every Tuesday and Friday. So, yeah, we're just kind of all over preseason action. 
uh, training camp notes, position battles, things like that. We've hit on a lot of that in this pod. And then um, closer to the regular season, we'll have predictions, kind of the biggest questions facing this team once we get a little bit more information uh, under our belt with preseason and um, hearing how practices and things like that are going. Uh, but yeah, we're ramping up and we, uh, Casey and I cover this team wall to wall, uh, when they, uh, when they get into full swing. So, uh, yeah, appreciate, uh, appreciate it if anybody wants to follow along and I appreciate you guys for, uh, for having me on. It's always a good time. Always, man. Always love talking to you, Rob. Always. Uh, what, what bone I had do have to pick with you here. You, I'm sure you've been trashing deep dish pizza. Oh what man! What is up with that, man? <laughs> yeah, that was hey, when I was. <laughs> that's when I was on with Chris and Laura. Yeah, um, and I, I I have done another podcast, but I've flown on the radar. I'm from uh, I'm from Connecticut, man. I'm from a, a <laughs> suburb called Brantford, just outside of New Haven. Um, and I think that's the pizza capital of the world, right there, New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, not not the country, the world. Um, thin crust till I die. And uh, yeah, I mean that's all I got to say about it. I think. Deep dish. If you told me it was lasagna, I'd be all in. But they uh, they advertise it as pizza, and I, I think it's offensive. So. Well, <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like like most people in Chicago, like if you live in Chicago, you don't eat deep dish. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's good to eat now and then, but like thin crusts, like the the tavern salad thin crust is what Chicago pizza really is. It's, that's what Chicago pizza really is. The tavern cut thin crust pizza. You can get those like in. Uh, Various different places in the city. Yeah. 100%. 100%. It is, yeah, it is. I guess it is kind of like that touristy thing that gets associated with it. It just kind of gets put on you guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. Yeah. But. It's, it's like the it's like the memes with like New Yorkers who only wear Timberlands and no other shoes. So yeah. like if you go to Chicago, that they all just eat like deep dish pizza and just talk about how much they love pop and stuff like that. <laughs> like legitimately, I don't think I've like it's been maybe like a two years since I've eaten deep dish. Just like because I think we got it like one time we had family in out of town and we got it because they never had deep dish before. <laughs> yeah it's like and I've, i go on this crusade man for new, for new haven style and uh to your guys's point like i'm never met with like passionate opposition like nobody from chicago is like gonna you know get into a fist fight over oh deep dish pizza like, like no, no no one is passionate about it which tells no. you all you need to know um new york people the new york new haven pizza battle is it's uh it's significantly more there, there's more vitriol being thrown uh, back and forth, but yeah, it, it it is kind of funny how that perception yeah. happens. I like pizza, so <laughs> yeah, pizza in general is just really good. I start to get confused though, so I full disclaimer because I've never had either one, but I got confused for a little bit about the difference between Chicago and Detroit style. So that was something I got confused about. Like I, I guess they were saying that Detroit style is something where like they put the sauce on top or something like that. Like what is? I thought Detroit style was, I thought Detroit style was like, it's kind of rectangular and it's kind of like a pan, like a pan pizza. Right. It's not. So the Chicago style, they depends, but it's, they kind of put the sauce on top and, and then, and then just more cheese. Yeah. Okay. It's just more cheese than like, yeah, that's what it really the deep dish is. And yeah, but like, I mean, I, I'll, I'll eat hot and ready. like this little Caesars, like, I love pizza. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, all about, I'm all about pizza, man. Like, give me any pizza and I'll eat it. Like, <laughs> Little Caesars is really, like, when it's hot, it's really good. And it's a better bang for your buck 
it's not as great like when it gets cold though. That's no, all. for sure, for sure. Interesting. I don't think I don't think I've ever had Little Caesars. There were, there weren't many like around where I uh, where I grew up. It was like the 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 fast food pizza was always Domino's uh, or Pizza Hut. They made but, like uh, comeback. It's interesting. They made like a comeback with the five dollar pizzas and like yeah, they're really good. Like I used to get them when I was in high school and get like some wings and stuff, and you get like a pizza and some wings for like 10 bucks and it was a great deal <laughs> that's yeah that's not bad at all that's not bad no, at all no for sure <laughs> oh man well again thank you so much rob for dropping by uh Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up uh yeah just again yeah obviously thanks to rob i love having him on he's our uh you know our our special guest every time he uh, joins us it's awesome and yeah, looking forward to these uh, last two games before the regular season starts. I'm I'm going to the home opener, so oh, nice. I'm I'm really excited about that. I don't know if uh, Rob will be there, but um, I will uh, definitely be there, and uh, maybe I'll get get to say to him if if he's not too busy. But in general, I'm yeah, I'm excited about this season, man. We're finally gonna have some competitive basketball, and like you always say ad we're gonna have a lot of adults in the room so yes um, <laughs> so we uh we should uh we should have fun yes I, I love having adults in the room we don't have to supervise there's we don't have to worry about anyone's feelings getting hurt this is grown man basketball and it's been really exciting so i'm excited for it great that you're gonna get to go to the regular season opener i've never been to oh actually i've been to one regular season opener but uh i don't think there was it didn't really feel like one, but uh, great that you're going to get to uh, go to one. But yeah, uh, we need we need to get you out to Chicago, man. Yeah, yeah. Bulls games and yeah, I still haven't been. Uh, like I said, my last game was uh, the first game that I went to was Joe Kim Noah's last game there. So it was uh it was definitely weird seeing him just like run through the tunnel and he never came back. So that was something. But uh, it was still a really fun experience. I think like. I've only been to like maybe like four or five NBA arenas and the United Center and Madison Square Garden really stand out the most to me because it just feels like you're walking into something like special. Whenever I go to like uh, Time Warner Cable Arena here in uh, or it's Spectrum Center now, uh, whenever I go to Spectrum Center here in Charlotte, it doesn't really have that like same vibe. Like it's just right. like, you know, you're here. But United Center, it's just so like huge and it just feels like when I saw it in person the first time, I immediately understood why it comes off quiet on TV, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it drowns out. There's a lot of like it's the arena can drown out noise. So it's yeah, it's it's not great for that. But I even though I'm a Bulls fan, I still do think I'll get hate for this. But I still do think that MSG is probably like. No, they they Great. get a they get electric there. It's yeah, for sure. That's you a, can, <laughs> you, that's a you, bot right there. You feel it just from from watching it on TV. So I imagine what it's like actually been, being in there during when the, the history in that arena is cr- like they have. Oh hell yeah, hell I mean, yeah! You walk around and you see like all of the different things that have happened there. It's insane. And then when you just like walk into the arena itself, it's just like the of course like the crowd is dark and like it's almost like spotlighted like it's a like it's on stage so it's just it's insane like and it's just crazy that they've not they have not had a championship in the modern era because if i was a basketball player i would like walk in msg and be like man like how do you not want to play here (laughs) yeah for sure for sure yeah but uh that wraps up today's bulls goal as always you can catch us 
uh, right here on the Barroom Network. And we will catch you next week, Bulls fans. Please check out our uh, past shows. We are on iTunes. We are on Podbean. We are on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, we will catch you uh, next time, Bulls fans.